The Mermaid by Lily Dougal. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Chapter 12 The Maiden Invented. The fishing boats and small schooners were dragged high up on the beach. The ice formed upon the bay that lay in the midst of the islands. The carpet of snow grew more and more thick upon field and hill, and where the dwarf firewoods grew so close that it could not pass between their branches, it draped them fold above fold, until one only saw the green here and there standing out from the white garment. In these days a small wooden sleeve was given to Caius, to which he might harness his horse, and in which he might sit snug among oskins if he preferred that sort of travelling to riding. Madame Lee Mater still rode, and Caius discarded his sleigh and rode also. Missing the warmth of the skins, he was soon compelled by the cold to copy Robinson Crusoe, and make himself breeches and leggings of the heights. In these first weeks, one hope was always before his eyes. In every new house which he entered, at every turn of the roads, which began to be familiar to him, he hoped to see the maiden who had followed him upon the beach. He dreamt of her by night. He not only hoped, he expected to see her each day. It was of course conceivable that she might have returned to some other island of the group, but Caius did not believe this, because he felt convinced she must be under the protection of his friends, and also, since he had arrived, the weather had been such that it would have been an event known to all the fishermen if another party had made a journey along the sands. When the snow came, the sands were impassable. As soon as the ice on the bay would bear, they would be coming and going, no doubt, but until then Caius had the restful security that she was near him, and that it could not be many days before he saw her. The only flaw in his conclusion was that the fact did not bear it out. He did not see her. At length it became clear that the maiden was hiding herself. Caius ceased to hope that he would meet her by chance, because he knew he would already have done so if it were not willed otherwise. Then his mind grew restless again and impatient. He could not even imagine where she could lie hidden, or what possible reason there could be for a life of uncomfortable concealment. Caius had not allowed either Oshi or Madame Le Maitre to suspect that, in his tumble, he had involuntarily seen his companion on the midnight journey. He did not think that the sea maid herself knew that he had seen her there. He might have been tempted now to believe that the vision was some bright illusion, if its reality had not been proved by the fact that Madame Le Maitre knew that he had a companion, and that Oshia had staked much that he should not take that long midnight walk by her side since the day on which he had become sure that the sea maid had such close and real connection with human beings that he met every day he had ceased to have those strange and uncomfortable ideas about her which in half his moods relegated her into the regions of freaks practised upon mortals by the denizens of the unseen or still farther into the regions of dreams that have no reality however not that she had retired again into hiding this assurance of his was small comfort he would have resolutely inquired of madame le maitre who it was who had been sent to warn him of danger if, if need be upon the beach 
but that the lady was not one to allow herself willingly to be questioned and in exciting her displeasure he might lose the only chance of gaining what he sought then too with the thought of accosting the lady upon the subject there always arose in his mind the remembrance of the brief minute in which to his own confounding he had seen the face of the sea-maid in the lady's own face and a phantom doubt came to him as to whether she was not herself the sea-maid disfigured and made aged by the wrapping she bore she did not however believe this he had every reason to refuse the belief and if he had had no other this woman's character was enough it appeared to him to give the lie to the thought a more intelligent view concerning that fleeting likeness was that the two women were nearly related to one another the younger in charge of the elder and that the younger who had for some purpose a prank played about in the waters near his home must have lived in some house there must have means of communication with the place and must have acquainted madame lemaitre with his position when the need of a physician arose what was so dissatisfying to him was that all this was the merest conjecture that the lady whom he loved was a person whom he had been obliged to invent in order to explain the appearances that had so charmed him he had not a shadow of proof of her existence eyes became strong and bridged over the bay that lay within the crescent of islands all the islands with their dunes were covered with snow the gales which had beaten up the surf lessened in force and on the long snow-covered beaches there was only a fringe of white breakers upon the edge of a sea that was almost calm the first visitor of any importance who came across the bay was the english clergyman nearly all the people on cloud island were protestants in so far as they had any religion they were not a powerful people but it seemed that this priest had been exceedingly faithful to them in their trouble and when he had been obliged to close the church for fear of the contagion had visited them regularly except in those few weeks between the seasons when the road by the beach had been almost impassable guise was first aware of the advent of this welcome visitor by a great thumping at his door one morning before he had started on his daily round on opening it he saw a hardy little man in a fur coat who held out his hand to him in enthusiastic greeting well now this is what i call being a good boy a very good boy to come here to look after these poor folk guys disclaimed the virtue which he did not feel motives i don't care anything about motives the point is to do the right thing i'm a good boy to come and visit them you're a good boy to come and cure them they're not a very grateful lot i'm sorry to say but we have nothing to do with that we are put here to look after them and what we feel about it or what they feel about it is not the question he had come into guy's room stamping the snow off his big boots he was spare elderly man with gray hair and bright eyes his horse and sleigh stood without the door and the horse jingled its bells continuously here was a friend guy's decided at once to question this man concerning madame lee mater and that other lady in whose existence he believed the main thing that he want on these islands is nerve said the clergyman it would be no good at all now argumentatively for the bishop to send a man here who had a nerve you never know where you'll meet a quicksand or a hole in the ice chubby and i nearly went under this morning and never were seen again some of these fellows had been cutting a hole and well we just saw it in time it would have been the end of us i can tell you but then you see if you're being a good boy 
and doing what you're told that does not matter so much it appeared that chubby was the clergyman's pony in a short time caius had heard of various other adventures which she and her master had shared together he was interested to know if any of them would throw any light upon the remarkable conduct of osia and his friends but they did not the men about here he said i can't make anything out of them are they lawless you see in explanatory tone if you take a man and expose him to the sea and the wind for half his life you will find that he is pretty much asleep the other half he may walk about with his eyes open but his brain's pretty much asleep he's just equal to lounging and smoking there are just two things these men can do fish and gather the stuff from wrecks they'll make from eight dollars a day at the fishing and from sixteen to twenty when a wreck's in they can afford to be idle the rest of the time and they're gloriously idle do they ever gather in bands to rob wrecked ship or for other unlawful purposes oh no not in the least oh no nothing of the kind they'll steal from a wreck of, of course if they get the chance but on the sly not by violence the worst sin is independence and self-righteousness you can't teach the children anything in the schools for instance but the parents won't have them punished they're quite sure that their children never do anything wrong that comes of living so far out of the world and getting a life so easily i can tell you utopia has a bad effect on character caius let the matter go for that time he had the prospect of seeing the clergyman often another week when the clergyman had come to the island and caius met him by chance they had the opportunity of walking up a long snowy hill together leading their horses caius asked him then about madame lemaitre and osia and heard a plain consecutive tale of their lives and of their coming to the island which denuded the subject of all unknown elements and appeared to rob it of special interest captain lemaitre it appeared had a lifelong lease of the property on cloud island and also some property on the mainland south of gasper base but the land was worth little except by tillage and being a seaman he neglected it his father had had the land before him pembroke the clergyman had seen his father he had never happened to see the son who would now be between forty and fifty years of age but then madame lemaitre had come to look after the farm on cloud island she had made herself known to him as in charge of her husband's affair she found that she could not get the land worked by the islanders and had induced osia who it seen was an old farm hand of her own father's to settle upon this farm which was a richer one than the one he had upon the mainland the soil of the islands pembroke said was in reality exceedingly rich but in no case had it ever been properly worked and he was in hopes that now madame lemaitre might produce a model farm which would be of vast good in showing the islanders how much they lost by their indifferent manner of treating their land why did she come to the islands conscientiousness i think the land here was neglected the people here certainly present a fear white to harvest to anyone who has the missionary spirit is she is she very devout asked caius well yes in her own way she is mine i say in her own way i couldn't tell you now whether she is protestant or papist i don't believe she knows herself he that sitteth between two stools suggested caius chiefly for want of something to say well no i wouldn't say that 
bless you the truest hearts on god's earth don't trouble about religious opinions they've got the essential oil expressed out of them and that's all they want to caius the subject of the lady's religion appeared a matter in which he had no need to take interest but the other went on she was brought up in a convent you know a country convent somewhere in the gasp coast and from what she tells me the nuns had the good policy to make her happy she tells me that where the convent gardens abutted on the sea she and her fellows used to be allowed to fish and row about you see her mother had been a catholic and the father being an old miser had money so i suppose the sisters thought they would make a nun of her and very likely they would have done for she is just that sort but the father stopped that little game by making her marry before he died i always had an idea that people on the coast up there were all poor and quite uneducated well yes for the most part they're pretty much but what you would see on these islands but our bishop tells me that here and there there are excellent private houses and the priests houses and the convents are tolerably well off but to tell you the truth i think this lady's father had some education and his going to that part of country may be accounted for by what she told me once about her mother her mother was a dancer a ballet dancer a very estimable and pious woman a daughter saves and i have no doubt it is true but an educated man who makes that sort of marriage you know may prefer to live out of the world caius was becoming interested if she was inherited her mother's strength and lightness that explains how she gets on her horse by jove i never saw a woman jump on a horse without help as she does just so she has marvellous strength and endurance and the best proof of that is the work she is doing nowadays why with the exception of three days that she came to see my wife and would have died if she hadn't she has worked night and day among these sick people for the last six months she came to see my wife pretty much half dead but the drive on the sand and a short rest pretty well set her up again pembroke drifted off here into discourse about the affairs of his parish which comprised all the protestant inhabitants of the island his voice went on in a cheerful jerky matter-of-fact tone in which he always talked Caius did not pay much heed except the admiration for the sweet spirit of the man and for the pluck and hardihood with which he carried on his work grew in him in spite of his heedlessness for there was nothing that pembroke suspected less than that he himself was a hero pretty tough work you have of it said caius at last if it was only christening and marrying and burying them all you would have more than enough to do but the distance is so great oh bless you my boy yes it's a distance and a weather but what are we here for but to do our work life isn't long anyway but i'll tell you what it is a man needs to know the place to know what he can do and what he can't now the bishop comes over for a week in summer i don't know a finer man than our bishop anywhere he doesn't give himself much rest and that's a fact but i've sent him out from england and what does he know about these islands he said to me that he wanted me to have morning service every sunday as i have it at harbour island and service every sunday afternoon here on the club he might as well have suggested that you had the morning service on the magdalens afternoon service in newfoundland and evening service in labrador exactly just as possible my boy but they had the diphtheria here so i couldn't bring him over even in fair weather to see how he liked the journey all this time caius was cudgelling his brains to know how to bring the talk back to madame and he ended by breaking in with an abrupt inquiry as to how old she was 
slight change came over Pembroke's demeanor. It seemed to Caius that his confidential tone lapsed into one of suspicious reserve, not very old, dryly. Caius perceived that he was being suspected of taking undue interest in the benefactresses of the island. The idea, when it came from another, surprised him. Look here, I don't take much interest in Madame Lee Mater, except that she seems a saint, and I would like to please her. But what I want to know is this. There is a girl who is a sister, niece, or daughter, or some other relation of hers, who is on these islands. Who is she? And where is she? Do you mean any of the girls she has in her house? She took them for families upon the island only for the sake of training them. I don't mean any of those girls. This with emphasis. I don't know who you mean. Caius turned and faced him. Do what he would, he could not hide his excited interest. You surely must know it's impossible that there should be a girl, young, beautiful, and refined, living somewhere about here, and you not know. I should say so. Quite impossible. Then be kind enough to tell me who she is. I have an important reason for asking. My dear boy, I would tell you with all the pleasure in the world if I knew. I have seen her. Kai spoke in a solemn voice. Priest looked at him with evident interest and curiosity. Well, where was she, and who was she? You must know. You are in Madame Lee Mater's confidence. You travel from door to door, day in and day out. You know everybody and everything upon these islands. I assure you, said the priest, that I never heard of such a person. End of chapter 12 The Mermaid by Lily Dalgal Recorded by Pooja Dubey, Mumbai, India